it's so lovely to be with you on this beautiful sunny morning as we were saying i think every sunday yeah. it's been sunny and, and lovely and i just think that's a blessing of the father that during this time if we think about many wet summers that we've had um, I've been thanking him that we've been able to meet in the garden, have some sunny weather and even though we're now moving towards the end of September, the sun is shining and it's, and it's beautiful. Um, it was rem I was reminded of uh, being thankful for his blessings and it's so important when things are difficult and we all have measures of difficulty in our life, things that we're fearful of, uh, the unknown, this season that we're in. And the Holy Spirit just said, um, find something to be thankful for. And as Mike and Flick were uh, leading us in worship, thank you Mike and Flick, uh, and thank you Kim and Katie for uh, leading us in communion. It's so good to be reminded of and being thankful for his love for us and everything that he has done for us. And in the words of the song that Mike and Flick was singing, uh, his love is deep, his love is wide, his love is sweet, his love is, so is strong and it covers us. And we can be thankful for that love, even if we're struggling to find anything else that he died on the cross and shed his blood, that we can have a relationship with him, can meet with him, that he can get to us everything that we need for every day because we now have his righteousness and we can come directly into the presence of God. And I was also thinking during this time, you know, where is it that we find our strength? Where is it that we can be on solid ground? And in my bathroom and in my bedroom, I have got verses that I have written down. And the Lord just said, Cheryl, you can trust me. And how do I know what he's saying to me? By his word. And one of the things that I've been meditating on is from Psalm 119 verse 28 which is David saying, my soul melts from heaviness. And I don't know whether you're in a good place this morning or not such a good place. If you're in a good place, then thank you, Father. And if you're not in a good place, then these are some of the things that we can do by meditating on his word. And David said, my soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. And I just pray for myself, for you guys this morning, that if you need strengthening, that he will bring his rhema word to you, that will speak to you to enable you to go through to the other side. Uh, and the word of God, that he'll remind you, like Psalm 119, that when we feel heavy, it's him, his word, that strengthen us. That when, and his word says, when we are weak, he is strong and we can put our trust in that. So I think that's something to be really thankful for this morning. I was meditating on that before the service and thank you God for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your blessing. Before the service, um, uh, somebody sent this over from uh, guys in Norwich and it really spoke to me and I just thought I'd share it with you. 
Um, it's from a song by uh, Teze and uh, the words have been translated into English and I just want to speak these over you this morning. It really spoke to me as I read them and before we go into Mark's next part of his preach on discipleship, um, I think it's really key that we remember what this song is saying. So I'm just going to read it to you and then Mark's going to get up and do our next preach. Holy Spirit, come to us. Kindle in us the fire of your love. Holy Spirit, come to us. Jesus said, it is by your love for one another that everyone will recognise you as my disciple. Jesus said, no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for those one loves. We know all by this that Christ laid down his life for us. This is love. It is not we who had loved God, but God who loved us. Holy Spirit, come to us. Kindle in us the fire of your love. Holy Spirit, come to us. So Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us always. And as we ask you for good gifts, for good things, you say, yes, I will come and I will flood you with my Spirit, with my love, that it will go deep in your heart. So Holy Spirit, come to us this morning. Put your fire inside us, your love inside us. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did at the cross so that we can receive that love this morning and every morning. Thank you that you died. Thank you that you rose again and you are now seated on the right hand of the Father. Thank you that if we can't find anything else, we can thank you for that and for your love for us that is wide and deep. I ask this morning that as we spend time together, that you will fill us with your love and that we will receive all that we need from you this morning and into this coming week. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 So, um, Mark's going to come now and bring the next part of his preach. Uh, I'll pray for you and I'm looking forward to hearing more uh, from you and uh, the Lord this morning through you. Amen. 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 So Father, I just speak that over Mark right now. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you've left your word with us. Your spirit is with us to bring that word alive. I ask now that you will open our hearts to receive from you. I thank you for the anointing that is on Mark, the gift that you have given him to be able to bring your word to us. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that as we hear from you, we will be changed this morning and have learned something uh, more about the kingdom, more about your love, more about each other. May we be forever changed. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.
Okay, so second part of our mini-series on Dare to be a Disciple. Um, we're going to be looking again at the same passage as last week, Matthew chapter 4, the calling of the disciples. So if you've got your Bibles open, turn to that, Matthew chapter 4. And uh, beginning at verse 17. So I'll just read that again. So from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Now, just to kind of get us uh, going this morning, just remind us of a few things we talked about last week. Because what we're talking about is what does it mean to be a true disciple of Jesus? And, you know, one of the, the things we've been looking at as a church and, and going forward, uh, where we go from this point onwards, is that many of you in responding, those who responded to the, the survey questions that we did, one of the things that you, you talked a lot about was this idea of discipleship. And the problem when whenever we mention discipleship is it gets filtered through all the pictures we have of, of what, what we've done in a church context. And so I'm, I'm doing this little mini-series really to talk about what discipleship is. And last week we looked at that first hallmark or first um, sign of discipleship in that followers of Jesus, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus and that followers of Jesus, although they will always know where they're going, they will always know who they're with. And ultimately, Jesus was saying that to be a disciple, you have to make this leap away from self and live for him. And we, we worked through what our understanding of what that was last week and, and looked at the, the self-centred generation, the selfie generation in which we live, the spirit of the age in which we live. And, uh, you know, many Christians have kind of got this idea that, that all Christianity involves is really, uh, you know, hearing somebody uh, do a talk, saying a prayer, putting your hand up, filling in a card, serving on Sunday, listening to the preach, and you get to keep your life as you know it. All the best bits of your life, plus Jesus' job is to make it better. And that's, that's not what Jesus said discipleship was. That's not what Jesus said Christianity was. Now, when I say things like that, it, it's challenging, but really what I'm doing is I'm reiterating what Jesus said. So I'm not, I don't make any apology for it. You know, Jesus is challenging. To follow Jesus is challenging. And we're going to look a little bit more at, at that today. But one of the things I said uh, towards the end of last week's service, but not in the preach, was that when we are challenged like that, and we should be people who are willing to be challenged by God's word, willing to be challenged by the things Jesus says, willing to be challenged by the things Paul writes. We should be challenging this. But one of the things we can do is we can make two mistakes, two extremes. And the first extreme is to universalise everything. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is that, you know, 
you find certain instances such as this, this passage that we've just read, uh, and perhaps the, the story of the rich young ruler, where Jesus asked people to give up everything. To give up everything, lay down everything and follow him. And, you know, it's easy from that to universalise this. And, and I've heard it preached like this as well. Jesus asks some people to give up everything, but that doesn't mean that's what he's asking you to do. And, you know, when we take that, that on, that, that this applies to everybody, that would be wrong. That, that would be an incorrect application of scripture. But the other, you know, it's true that these disciples, those disciples who followed him, they gave up so much. They gave up homes, they gave up family, a couple of them had boats, they gave up their boats, they gave up their business, they gave up their material support, and they left everything to follow Jesus. That doesn't mean that Jesus is asking us to give up everything. However, he is asking us to live a life where you make that leap away from self and live for him. That's the essence of discipleship. The other extreme is to minimise it and say, this could never apply for me. That was just for Andrew and, and John and Peter and James. That was just for the rich and ruler. That was just for other people. Never applies to me. And that, that would be the opposite extreme because the reality of the story is that Jesus does ask some of us to give up everything. And I shared my testimony last week about stepping down from Deloitte, stepping down from my business interests, when I was called to, uh, to ministry, and, and I shared about that, that journey of doing that. So if you, if you missed that, go back, listen to last week's preach. It's on YouTube, it's on Facebook Live, you, you'll be able to hear it. It's on our website, uh, faithlifechurch.org.uk. So that, that brings us up to where we were last week. I want to take us on a step further this week. So let me, let me start with this sentence. And, and really kind of capturing the essence of, of what it means to be a real disciple, to dare to be a disciple. To follow Jesus means to hold loosely uh, to the things of the world, uh, to hold loosely to our own comfort, to hold loosely to our own safety, to hold loosely to our possessions, to hold loosely to our careers. And in return, he offers us the ability to hold tight to him. He offers the, 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 the hope of a life with meaning, with purpose, a fulfilment uh, and a destiny that is so much better and so much more meaningful than anything that we have. Now, when we, again, that is challenging. To be a disciple is challenging. To dare to be a disciple, you're rising to a challenge. And one of the things that you know, I, I feel that we've done in, in church in our generation is that we've raised the bar on what it means to do church. And by that, what I mean is that, that our, our ways of doing church and the ways that we put on our meetings and the ways we deliver our messages and so on, they, they, are, they, they can be so technically complex, they can be so uh, performance orientated that we have uh, created something that is very difficult to put on without a lot of resource, a lot of people and a lot of money. And so we, we've raised the bar on what it means to do church, but at the same time we've lowered it, our expectations on what it means to follow Jesus and be a disciple. And 
Right now, I believe one of the things that we can learn from, from this, this lockdown situation that we've all been going through is that Jesus is calling us back to raise the bar on what it means to be a disciple. To raise the bar on that individual walk with him and raise the bar on that corporate walk with him of discipleship. And so, you know, that, that is a challenge to us, but it is an opportunity, opportunity so full of hope and so full of life. And the reality of that is that none of that would make sense. None of that that I've just said makes any sense at all until you realise who the me is when Jesus says, follow me. None of it makes any sense until you realise who Jesus is. That the one asking you to follow him is Christ the King, creator of the Lord, universe, the one who came, the one who died for you, the one who laid down his life for you, the one who gave everything to you, that he was, he is and was and always will be the God of the universe, the same today, yesterday and forever. And he loves you passionately, he cares deeply about you, he's interested in every aspect of your life. And this is the King who calls us to follow him. So none of this makes any sense until we realise that the one calling is to follow him. He's the creator of the universe, the living God, the king of kings, the lord of lords, who reigns in glory and will come again to, to raise, this, raise the dead and give everyone new life in a new heaven and a new earth. And that's the one who calls us to follow him right here, right now. And so... You know, when, when we realise who Christ is, when we realise who it is, the one who, who calls us to follow him, then, you know, we, we understand why it is uh, right and why it is valuable and why it is so important that we, we leave things behind. We, we hold on to things loosely. We, we don't set our lives around our own agenda, but his call on us. And, you know, the central point of our life is no longer our comfort, our possessions. It's the only thing that makes sense when we realise who Jesus is. The one who calls us to follow him. Uh, Matthew 13, um, just gone on a little bit. Matthew 13, 44 says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he hid and for joy over it, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. And then he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had and bought it. And, you know, when Jesus tells these parables, when he tells us what the kingdom of heaven is like, what he's, what he's emphasising there is that whatever we have, whatever we own, whatever we have said is our priorities, whatever our personal goals, whatever our selfish ambitions, whatever that, that it is in us that, that gets in the way of us reaching out to him and, and walking closely with him, it is nowhere in comparison to the value of the kingdom that he invites us into. And, and when we, you know, when I, I say things like that, when I read things like that, um, and I know when I've talked about these topics before, one of the responses that I've often got is, well, Mark, that sounds an awful lot like works to me. That doesn't sound like grace at all. That sounds an awful lot like works to me. This isn't about works at all. And I, and I just want to kind of make this really clear. This is about where we place our heart. 
It's about whether we get up, caught up in this selfie generation culture of our world or whether we live for something greater. It's not about giving things up, abandoning things, to earn Jesus' favour, to get in God's good books. It's, it's nothing like that. It's about living in a way that we abandon self to rely on and trust in God totally. To rely on and trust in God totally. And that's grace. When we, when we put ourselves aside and we rely on God totally, his provision, his goodness, his life that he gives us, his healing, his strength in his, his ability, his uh, power. When we, when we do that, we are walking in grace. We were relying on grace. And Jesus calls us to lay aside self to walk in his grace. So that, that kind of brings us to really some, the, the second thing that I wanted to draw out of, of this calling of disciples. And it's this, to follow Jesus and to dare to be a disciple is to rely fully on God's grace and God's promises. To dare to be a disciple is to rely fully on God's grace and God's promises. You see, these men, they, they, these, these four men in this passage, they didn't come to Jesus and, and seek him out. He came looking for them. He initiated. He promised and he said, I'm going to make you fishes of men. Not you will make yourself fishers of men, but I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to do it. And, you know, I think it's important for us to realise that when they left everything behind, it shows us that Jesus didn't come to these guys because of what they were bringing to the table, what they could bring to the ministry, what they could contribute. Jesus didn't pick them or choose them on that basis. You see... In reality, they didn't have many things in their favour at all. Um, generally, the disciples that Jesus called were lower class. They were rural. They were unsophisticated people. They generally, although some of them uh, are exceptions, but generally they weren't of high education. They weren't from the best families. They were in the right social class. They weren't recognised by the religious community. They were in with the religious guys. They were in in that hierarchy, that, that, that ladder to becoming somebody important. They didn't bring anything to the table. And yet Jesus brought them to himself so that he could bring what he had to their table. And there's a lesson for us in that. And the lesson is this, that Jesus can take anyone... No matter what you've been through, so I'm talking right now to you, no matter what you've been through, no matter your background, no matter what anybody says, no matter your popularity, no matter your education, no matter your social status, no matter where your family comes from, whether you come from a respected family or whether you come from a dysfunctional family or whether you just come from one of those crazy families that some of us come from. Whether you've got the best job, the worst job, or no job at all. Whether you're the best communicator or no communicator at all. By his spirit and by his grace, he can do extraordinary things through ordinary people. So he calls you, and he's calling you right now to dare to be a disciple. Because it's about what he brings, not what you bring. So whatever your starting point, whatever your past... Jesus is talking about your future. 
He's saying, leave behind that past and go into the future with me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you a disciple. I will make you someone who looks like me. You know, um, many years ago now, you know, not, well, not too many, but a number of years ago now, he took me. He, he came to me, he initiated that relationship with me. And, and at the time he did that, back in my teens, I was a kid from nowhere. Nobody, I, I was a nobody, I had no background, I had no standing, I came from a nothing background. I ran with a, a gang of young guys, we, we were, you know, starting to get into petty theft, we were, you know, I grew up fighting. I, fought, I, I would find any reason whatever to get in a fight. Generally, I, I would, uh, like, it would be defending one of my mates or defending you know, somebody I thought had been wrong. But I was a fighter and I, I was in fights all through my primary school and all through the early days of my secondary school. And my family, they had no standing. They, they had no money. We came from quite a really poor background. There was no history of any success in the family. No one wanted to be friends with me. Why didn't they want to be friends with me? Because I was the kid from the council estate. And nobody wanted to be friends with the kids from the council estate if they didn't come from the council estate. And you know, one of the things that I remember before I was a believer is that I used to punctuate my sentences with swear words. I didn't need commas, didn't need semicolons, didn't need full stops. I could use swear words. And that's what I did. I, I walked everywhere because we had no car. We had no telephone, so I didn't ring anybody up. You know, it, these were different days. But we, I, I came from quite a, a poor background, although I didn't know it at the time. I, I didn't know the difficulties that we were growing up in. And yet what I can say is that Jesus found me. He found me and he began to change me. He supported me. And over the years, you know, he took me to the top of my profession. By his grace, I prospered. And, you know, it seems that it's kind of easy to say that sort of thing in, in church these days. But the reality is, you know, I look back on my career and he prospered me immensely. But the thing I remember looking back and, and examining is there was many, many points in that career where I could have failed, I should have failed, where I'd messed up, and he turned those situations around, and he turned them for good, and he prospered me. So to him was all the glory of that success. It was him that did it. And one of, one of the, 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 the great joys of, of Cheryl and I's uh, life and, and time that I was in business was that, you know, in that time God allowed me to uh, provide for the kingdom, he allowed me to uh, provide for individuals, he allowed us to be generous, to, to, to share with people, to bless people. And yet when the time for all that was over, he called us and he called me, that's me, non-religious, non-church establishment, accountant, boring accountant me. And he called me to that point to lay everything aside and preach the gospel, plant churches and disciple others. You know, um, it's his grace. Nothing in the Christian life is born from our merit. Everything in the Christian life is born out of his grace. Anything outside of that isn't real Christianity. It's not the radical Christianity that we are called to be disciples in. 
everything in the Christian life is born out of his grace and nothing in the Christian life is born from our merit. He takes us and by his grace he gives us what we need. You know, in, in John chapter 1, I think it's verse 12, it says this, But as many as who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God came and he offered to everyone new life. God came into my life and he gave me new life. He gave me he adopted me into his family to become his child and he gave me everything I needed right at that point to become a fully fledged mature child of Christ. He brought me into his family and he still does the same today. He'll do it for anyone. He gives hope to the hopeless. He's the friend to the friendless. He's wisdom for the foolish. He's purpose for the drifting. You know, God comes and he gives us his grace. And as disciples, we are those with hope. We are those who are never without a friend. We are those who are never without a family. We are those who are never without wisdom. We are those who are never without purpose. And we have total access to the throne of grace. You know, in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. Through knowing him who called us by his glory and virtue and by whom we have given, been given exceedingly great and precious promises. So that through those you might be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped, left behind, walked away from, relinquished, laid aside the corruption that is in the world. You know, God has given us everything we need for this life. He's given us everything we need for life and everything we need for godliness to start to look like Jesus, to look like Jesus more day and day. And he did it. He gave us it. He paid for it. He initiated it. He won the victory on the cross and he's given it to us as a gift to be used in our life. And that's grace. You see, Jesus didn't come along to these disciples and say, hey, guys, I've got a task for you. I want you to go and make yourselves fishers of men. He didn't say that. He didn't say, you go do it. What he said is, I will make you fishers of men. I'm going to do this in you. My grace is going to transform you and empower you. And that's what grace does. And to be a true disciple of Jesus, to dare to be a disciple, we rely totally on his grace, not on our merit. You see, I... I, I was thinking about this as, as God was talking to me about these things. And, and one of the things that's really deep that I've desired for so long in my heart is to be part of something that, that God does in this city and in this region and in this country, which people will come and they will see and they will say, only God could have done that. I don't want to be part of something where people say, well, Mark did that, or Cheryl did that, or Faith Life did that. I mean, that, that's, all, that's all great for the ego. But the reality is, the thing that's deep set in my heart is I want to be part of something that makes a difference, that brings change, and people look at it and they, they, they don't see anything apart from Jesus. And they say, only 
God could have done that because that is so astonishing, so amazing. I've looked at the people that he's worked through. They couldn't have done that. That had to be God. And that's my, that's my deep heart. And that's the deep heart of daring to be a disciple, to be one who, who sees God do extraordinary things through their ordinary lives where people look and see and say, only God could have done that. Here's the third thing I, I, I understood or, or God showed me in this passage of the calling of disciples. To dare to be a disciple is to know Jesus and discover his heart. To dare to be a disciple is to know Jesus and discover his heart. You see, Jesus didn't say, follow this plan. Jesus didn't come to him and he didn't have a 10-point strategy, a vision statement, a big document, a PowerPoint presentation. He sat them all down, he sold the vision to them and said, off you go guys and do it. That's not how Jesus worked. That's not how the kingdom works and that's not how discipleship works. Jesus didn't come along and say, hey guys, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. Here's where we're going to go. Here's how it's going to work. Here's what we're going to do. This is what the enemy's going to do. This is how we're going to cut him off. This is how it's all going to work. He didn't do that. He didn't give them that, that, that foreknowledge. He didn't give them that vision. He didn't operate in that way at all. He didn't come and say, here's my vision. Now you guys buy into it and go make it happen. And yet that is so often how we present things. That is so often how we have thought. And we need to get away from that. We need to break away from that. You see, Jesus also didn't come and he didn't say, well, you know, guys, I'm here. Now follow the rules. Here's how we're going to do this. You guys follow the rules. I'll set the rules. You follow the rules. And he didn't come and say, hey, guys, you need to get with the program. You remember that 10-point program, those, the, the, those, those evening sessions we were doing with the workbook and all the rest of it. He didn't say, come and get with the program. This is what Jesus said. This is the heart of discipleship. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. Get to know me. Go where I go. Do what I do. Love what I love, hate what I hate, desire what I desire. Jesus isn't so much about a programme or rules or a vision statement or a plan. Jesus calls true disciples to know him, to know his heart. He says, attach yourself to me, stick to me. Adhere to me so closely that you can hear my heartbeat. You can, you can see my heart, you can know my heart, you can feel my heart, you can experience my heart. And that is, that is just this amazing miracle that Jesus calls us into. You know, when I think about that, you know, as I was saying that, it, it just comes to mind... Um, you know, I, I love the Apostle John. I, I just love his story. Um, but the, the, the little scene that I love is when um, he's portrayed as leaning and placing his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. And I, I'm thinking, well, what is he doing? He, he, he loves Jesus. He knows Jesus. He's listening to Jesus' heartbeat. He's sticking so close to Jesus 
that he knows exactly what Jesus is feeling, what he's thinking, what he's going through. He wants to know what it is that makes Jesus tick. He wants to know what Jesus feels about things, what he desires, what he loves, what he hates, uh, what he's excited about. And, and he wants, wants that and he, and he sees Jesus and what he sees in Jesus as he comes to know him more and more deeply through the gospel story, what he sees in Jesus, he wants for himself, he desires for himself. As he listens to Jesus, his mind clears, he thinks clearly, he thinks straight. He's no longer that one right at the start called the son of thunder, the angry young man. He's the one who's at peace alongside Jesus. And, he, and, and as he listens to Jesus' heartbeat, he hears his pulse quick, quick you know, John's pulse starts to quicken and he's ready to face anything. He's ready to go anywhere. He's ready to be with Jesus all the time. He's ready there before the one he loves. And that's why John is the only one who is there stood at the cross because he's got Jesus' heartbeat. It's not a program. It's not a revolution to him. It's Jesus' heart and he wants to stay close to that heart. And the only place he could stay close to that heart was at the foot of the cross. And that's why he was there. That's why he was the only one that was there. Because he understood that to dare to be a disciple is to know Jesus' heartbeat. To know him, to be drawn deeply into his heart and, and feel the things that he feels, to know the things that he knows and to share the passions that he has. And you know, when you're that person, when you are that disciple... It leads you on to the, the, the final thing that we see in this, this short passage of the calling of the disciples. That to dare to be a disciple is to share Jesus' mission. To dare to be a disciple is to share Jesus' mission. See, Jesus said this, just, you know, it's not a difficult passage. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Do you see it? Do, do you see what he's doing there? Do you see what he's saying there? You can't follow Jesus without being on the same mission as Jesus. If we're not on the same mission as Jesus, our paths will divert. Our paths will go in a different direction. We'll get off track. We'll get off plan. We, 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 we'll go over somewhere where it, we, we get attracted to. In following Jesus, we inevitably walk into his mission. We inevitably stand in his mission. We inevitably become implements and instruments of his mission. To be a disciple is to take part in Jesus' mission of making disciples. That's why, you know, right at the, the end of the Gospel of Matthew, we find Jesus saying... Um, Go and make disciples of all the nations. That's the mission. That's, that's what we're called to do. Anything else in this life that comes in the way of knowing Jesus and sharing his mission is not true Christianity. It's not being a disciple. And, and, and once again, you know, Jesus, when he says these things, it's strong. But it's also true. And it's also better than anything that we would hold on to. You know, when I'm 
I'm here, you know, sometimes right in the middle of my sermons, I kind of have a, a moment where it's just like, why am I doing this? Why am I saying this? And, you know, as I say these things, it, it can sound, and maybe to some of you, it sounds like, well, I'm trying to cajole you into something you don't really want to do. And, and you know, that's what's going through my head. Am I, you know, why does, why does it feel like that? Why does it feel like that? You know, I think the reason it sometimes feels like that to us, and sometimes it feels like that to me, and even when I'm saying it, sometimes it feels like that to me. The reason is, I think, that we haven't really understood what it means to be a disciple. We haven't understood the things that I've talked about last week and this morning. We've just not understood it. You see, we're missing out on this incredible, great adventure because somehow we've managed to create around ourselves and been called into and have demonstrated to us a form of Christianity that's become a spectator sport where we aren't involved other than making the spectator event happen. And I think it's a real challenge for us. And, you know, I think that's why we, we have to have wake-up calls, why Jesus is waking us up right at this time. Because for so many, Christianity has become a spectator sport where we've kind of accepted this model of Christianity where we leave it to, leave it to the professionals, where we sit on the sidelines, where we never get in the game. You know, getting in the game for most people... In, in, in modern Christianity in the West is to attend a Bible study and put some leaflets out on chairs on a Sunday morning or make refreshments and that's getting in the game. No, Jesus didn't intend that, that, that to be the centre. Jesus intent, didn't intend our Christianity to become a spectator spot where we have our pop idol worship leaders and our superstar preachers and men on the big stage. He never intended that at all. He intended disciples who make disciples. And he's calling us back to think through the implications of that, to think through what that would mean for us, what that would mean for faith life, what that means for every single one of us watching this broadcast, what that means for anybody who picks this up in the week. He's calling us and he's saying, you know, We've somehow, we've fostered this idea, we've created this monumental, monolithic form of church that consumes phenomenal resources, exhausts us all and tires us out and yet produces so few disciples in the way Jesus would define discipleship. And that's a real challenge for us, that's a real challenge for us in our time, in our day, right at this moment. You see, I think if we, we truly dared to be disciples, if we understood what discipleship was, we would be so excited about it that, you know, the, the opportunity to follow the heart of the creator of the universe who gave his life for us. It's just incredible. And yet we make it so small and we watch somebody on a stage instead of getting involved ourselves. You know... If we would dare to be a disciple, we would discover who we truly are. We would get to share in this great adventure. I don't want to leave this morning without really saying, it's costly to do this. 
It's costly to be part of that great adventure. It's costly to follow Jesus. That's why Jesus told parables of, of, of about the cost of following him. Yet the truth of it all is, if we don't dare to be a disciple, the cost is far, far greater than that of being a disciple. The cost of not daring to be a disciple is far, far greater than the cost of daring to be a disciple. You see, to settle for a kind of a casual association with Jesus is costly. Because we miss the joy, we miss the fulfilment, we, we miss the confidence, we miss the strength, we miss the trust, we miss the, that creation of bravery in our hearts and, and, and that overcoming face everything with Jesus, walking alongside him, empowered by him life. It's costly if we just settle for a casual acquaintance with Jesus. You know... We, when we settle for that casual acquaintance, we're settling for a form of Christianity where we never know, get to really know the one who it's all about. And that's costly. That's costly for what it does inside us. It's costly for what it does in our souls. It's costly because it's a, it's a burnout, wear yourself out, exhausting, make your way through life kind of approach and it costs us it costs us in energy it costs us in life it costs us in health it costs us in everything because when it comes down to it we're relying on ourselves instead of being walking with and being full of the grace that jesus gives and so it's costly to walk differently and yet somehow we think well i can't pay the cost i don't want to do that cost i won't want to sacrifice that for jesus and jesus said it's much more costly not to it's it's you know, there's a cost to your souls in this. There's a cost to your purpose. There's a cost to the direction. You know, who wants to live a meaningless, humdrum life till we get to 70 or 80 and fall off our perch? Who, who wants to look back on their life when they're old and can't do anything and say, well, what was that all about then? What was that all about then? You know, when we settle for this day in, day out, spectator Christianity, we, we damage ourselves inside. Jesus calls us to get in the game, to dare to be disciples. You know, without us daring to be disciples, there's a huge cost in this world. There's a huge cost in this world for those who never get to know Jesus because those who were meant to disciple them had settled for being spectators in some sideshow somewhere. It's a huge cost. It would have cost my soul and my life if the two girls who turned up on our doorstep one day when I was stuck in that go where, do nothing, petty theft, running with the gang, fight with anybody around life and swear till my heart's content. If those two girls had not turned up on my doorstep and invited me along to this, this evening meeting, I would have still, I, I don't know what my life would have been without Jesus, but it would have cost me so much to have followed my own life. Because those two girls, 
They came, they took the time to reach, they took the time to invite, they took the time to share with me. And ultimately, they were instrumental in rescuing me from my not much of a life to a life where I captured, was captured by and pursued the heartbeat of Jesus. If they hadn't done that, the cost would have been my soul. When we do not dare to be disciples, the cost is huge. You see, Jesus calls us, and he's calling every single one of us now, from our, wherever we are, whatever we've been through, whatever we've experienced, whatever our background, whatever our abilities, whatever our knowledge, whatever our social standing, whatever our family, and he's calling us to dare to be his disciples. Disciples who set aside their self-life for his life. Disciples who follow him and rely fully on his grace. Decide, daring to be disciples who know him, who discover his heart to fall, and fall in love with his heartbeat. And dare to be a disciple who shares his mission. And he's asking that of every one of us today. To follow him, to hear his voice and do what he says. And he'll give us the ability, he'll give us the grace and he'll give us the strength to do it. You know, some of you maybe haven't heard this stuff before, maybe haven't heard anything like this. Uh, and you want to respond, then, then send us your messages, send us your questions, send them to uh, either messages on the Facebook page or send them to faith, uh, office at faithlifechurch.org.uk. Office at faithlifechurch.org.uk. Some of you don't know this Jesus I'm talking about. Some, for some of you, he's also calling you back to that depth of his heart like the Apostle John experienced, that he's available to every one of us. So some of us don't know him, some of us he's calling back to, 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 to focus on that knowing of him, to, to, to put our head on his chest and hear his heartbeat. And I want to pray with you right now. So if, if you're in either of those categories, I want you to pray with me right now. Follow my words. Father, I come to you now. I turn away from my own agenda my own life and I turn to you. I desire to hear your heart, to know your heart. So I ask you now, be my saviour, be my Lord, be my friend. I'm asking you to do that. I give my life to you. And I ask you to give me your Holy Spirit to minister and live in me through your grace, your strength, your power and your joy. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. We want to help you. Uh, we want to encourage you, so again, messages on Facebook or email us at office at faithlifechurch.org.uk. Let us know you prayed that prayer and we'll, we'll get in touch with you and we'll help you take the next steps.
Amen. 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 Um, that the both weeks, last week and this week, that is just uh, challenging, um, but also inspiring. What Mark's just been bringing to us. Um, you may have already heard all of that, and you may be doing it, and that's absolutely great. Um, but it is a challenge. You know, I was listening and thinking. Oh, I'm so challenged. Sometimes I get in the busyness of life and even ministry can be busy, uh, not spending time with the Father, not spending time hearing his voice and not taking into the world what he has put on the inside of me. And um, it just really spoke to me that there, all that Mark brought there is from the word. So it's the voice of Jesus. It's the call of Jesus. And he's asking us, to be his disciples um, and to pour out like he did into others' lives um, in his strength, in at his leading, uh, asking each day, what is it that you want me to do today? And we can do it because we know that that's the word. And I think even at the beginning, if you think that that uh, calling, that first calling came at the beginning of Matthew, uh, there was something that they saw in Jesus that they followed but they didn't have a relationship with him yet they didn't know him and they spent three years with him finding out who he was learning about him um, catching his heart watching him go to the cross for them um, watching all that that he went through at the cross for them and as i said you know in the song that i brought um that the great there is the greatest um message of love is to lay down your life for someone else and that is what he did for us and part of doing things for him i think is just it comes out of love you know, we can do things out of road, but it's so much better if it comes out of a relationship with him um, where we know that for our shame, he wept and went to the cross in our place. Such love. And so anything he asks us to do, it's done out of love. And it's so much easier if we can respond out of love for him, that, that love that he has for us and then the love that we have for him. But love takes time to grow and so we need to spend time with him in his word, listening to the voice of the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit fill us with his love. Let us um, move into that place of knowing him intimately, not knowing who about him, who he is, but knowing him intimately in relationship that we then do all that we uh, need to do out of love. That it's love, his love in us as well. We, we also have his love in us. So as we minister, his love pouring out of us to meet those that God puts in front of us so that we can be Jesus in this place and others will find um, him and his love for them. Amen. 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 So... Yeah, so we will pray that over us, that we will just more and more and more and more be in love with Jesus, that all that we do comes out of that love.
So, um, yeah, yeah well, we, we love you, Faith Life. Love you guys. Uh, be strong. Yeah. Stay connected. Yeah. Grow in faith. Connect. Help each other. Make those five phone calls. Make those yes. five phone calls. Put yeah. it on your list of things to do. Ring five people every week. You know, if we do that, then everybody will feel connected. But it's going yeah. to take all of us to do it. Yeah. You know, we, we, we're having to go again, aren't we? We, we? we still have this uncertainty. But it's really important that we get on the phone, we yes. connect with people, we talk to people, and we stay connected, yeah. not letting ourselves drift off. We connect to what's happening. Yeah. So, Faith Life, I just want to uh, pray over you, yes, and then we're just going to end. So, Father, I thank you. I thank, thank you for you. all you're doing in every single one of us. Yes. I thank you that you are both challenger, but also provider. Yeah. You are both asker, but you are also doer. Thank you. And Lord, I pray that you would work in each of our hearts to produce someone who looks more and more like you each day. Yes, Lord. Amen. 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 Okay. Goodbye. Uh, well, thank you, Faith Life. <laughs> we, we love you all. Coffee, we'll, coffee after church. Coffee after church. And we'll see you shortly. See you next week.